Welcome to another episode of Culinary School Stories, the bi-weekly podcast that is dedicated to sharing the stories of people around the globe whose lives have been influenced, impacted, touched, and or enriched, for good or for bad, from their culinary school experience. Hi, my name is Colin Roach and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. You are an important part of this show where we ask the question, what's your culinary school story? So now, without any further delay, let's meet today's guest. So I want to start right out by saying welcome and thank you for joining us on the Culinary School Stories. It's a real pleasure to have you and welcome. Oh, thanks. I'm, I'm super happy to be here. Great. So to mention, our, my guest today is Chef Nikki Partinio, and she is, has a unique perspective because she not only was a culinary student, but was also a culinary instructor. So we're going to hear all about that. But let's start out with our first question. Why did you choose to go to culinary school? I chose to go to culinary school. I, I went back to school a little bit later in life. So <clears throat> I was like 24. I thought I was like super old. Um, you know, going for going back to school. I chose culinary school because I didn't really, I'm not very an academic person, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't very good at math. I wasn't very good at, you know, the subject I really excelled in except for food and beverage. I loved food and beverage. So when I graduated high school, I, I, I did a little bit of college and then I just flunked out, but I worked in restaurants and I was bartending and cooking and serving and all that. And I just said, you know what, if this is something I'm passionate about, then I'm, I should get it, you know, try and get a degree, you know, in, in the field. So I went back and, and um, I actually did really well. Why did you pick Johnson and Wales and the specifically the Miami campus? Did you look at any other schools before you chose that one? Um, I am from South Florida. And so I was looking at South Florida schools. I did not want to leave the area because you know, I, I was paying rent and stuff. And for me to like uproot my life, it was, you know, for at the time it seemed like I wanted to stay in South Florida and um, I chose Johnson & Wales because it was an accredited university, whereas um, some other choices were at the time were um, uh, Le Cordon Bleu and uh, the Art Institute. And um, I know they had accreditation problems, so I just wanted to, you know, go to a school that was, it was accredited and, and I was going to get out, come out with an, a, a degree rather than a certificate because if I didn't stay in the culinary field, at least I had an associate degree. Right, right. I get it. Um, think back to that first day. You said that you were a little of an older student at the time. You weren't the typical right out of high school. How did you feel when you got on campus? I mean, that first day, obviously, there's probably excitement. There's probably some nervousness in there. But kind of take us back to that day, if you remember, and what it was like. What was going through your head? 2004, probably, was, was when I started school. I remember the um, orientation of us and all the chefs are there and they all have their neckerchiefs on. And I remember late, being late and running to the, to the place where we had the, <laughs> where we had the orientation. And I don't remember who it was. He stopped me and like folded my neckerchief for me, my neck and fixed it for me, you know? And uh, I just, that was my first like experience. Like I was like, ah, you know, rattled and stuff. And it's like all these younger people. And I'm like, you know, I zoom up in my little Honda Civic and, late and <laughs> and Jeff Hensley kind of like you know may not look like an idiot so <laughs> that's what I remember what was your first class do you remember and who the instructor was um I think my first lab was with Chef Brian 
and it was nutrition. I think before that I had beverage, uh, you know, uh, with Chef Green and, and it was like, you know, it was already in my wheelhouse because I was already a bartender. So, you know, it was uh, interesting. Did you have a favorite class or what was your worst class? I did love meat cutting. Great class. So interesting because you're like in this butcher shop and you got, you know, uh, what's his name? Um, Chef Lazar and he's like super knowledgeable, you know, and. So that was, a, I loved that class a lot. Um, my least favorite, um, I did not really care for garmage. <laughs> um, some of the things that you learn there are like so old school that they're not, they're not really relevant. And I don't even think you guys teach it like that anymore. Garmage was like all aspic and gelatinized everything and goo everywhere. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's changed a few times. What is one thing you wish you knew before you went to college? Once you got there, like, boy, I wish I knew that. I wish I had that and knew that in advance. Is there anything? I might, like, change your question a little bit and just say that I wish I didn't have such a chip on my shoulder that I was a little bit older. Because now, um, so I think that kind of held me back from, from, from having experiences that I, that I could have had. Like, I could have put more effort into my externship and done something really you know, gone off and done something, but I, you know, I stayed here and, and, uh, or I stayed in South Florida. So I wish I would have kind of let myself be, let myself be more educated, you know, like really have the experience rather than saying, well, I'm, I'm too old for this and I should be this far ahead and all that stuff. So. Did you get along with the other students at the time? Cause they were younger or was there, did you find there was elder students as well? Um, there was very few, um, older students and, uh, that like my same age, uh, I got along with, I mean, I, I, I typically get along with everybody. So, uh, you know, just that kind of personality, <laughs> never met a stranger. <laughs> uh, if someone asked you, uh, you for, for advice, they wanted to go to culinary school or they wanted to get into this industry. What would you say to them? What, what people have asked me over the years is, is that, you know, um, they've heard that culinary school is expensive and, you know, and, and, uh, it's really what you make of it as far as the opportunities you create for yourself. So um, it all depends on your attitude and your drive because, you know, hard work and dedication is the bridge to success, I feel. And I've, I've experienced that in my career as well. So the more I networked and the more effort I put into my career, I got that back 15 fold. You know, I, I worked on private yachts. I worked for football players. I've had it, a really amazing and fun career that when I talk about it, people are like, wow, you did that, you know? And so, but it, it, it's that way because I made it that way. So my advice to people when they ask about going to culinary school is just, you know, be sure that it's your passion and, and whatever you do, don't, don't listen to everybody saying it's expensive. You're going to get out and make 10 bucks an hour. Yes, you can do that. That can happen. It can be a thing that happens to you. However, if you take control of the wheel and you say, I'm going to do, uh, uh, you know, and you network and you meet the right people and you show up and work hard, you're going to get anything you want. So that's my advice. I, I agree. Um, you were a culinary instructor for a while there. Maybe you can tell us how, how that was. And two, uh, the students changed from when you were in culinary school to what you see now and, and how so if they did change. I was a culinary instructor at a uh, accredited university, Kaiser University, for six years, over six years. Um, it was a, a, a big change from being a student. I, I had a 
of fun time teaching um, because it helped it helped you know me solidify the things that I already knew you know and so it's like I got to go to culinary school for six and a half extra years which I loved you know I just love learning 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 about food teaching about food and just feeling uh, seeing the excitement in people when they when they get you know get something right and uh, you know and, and they do well in their career after they come back and they're like yeah you know I'm I'm executive sous chef at the Biltmore and all that kind of stuff. I think that's that's amazing. And what happened? You do moved on to something new after the after teaching? I did. I went to um, FSU to uh, be executive chef at uh, a restaurant called Seminole Cafe, which is one of their residential. It's the second largest residential dining hall that they have. But then um, my goal was to work for a food distributor distributor like for a long time. I had this goal. I, you know, I, I really wanted to work for. Cisco or Cheney Brothers, you know, just for quality of life and um, the opportunity to to succeed. And that was always in my plan. Um, and Cisco ended up contacting me when I was working at, at FSU. And I said, I'm taking this, I'm taking this opportunity. You take us back to some of those earlier positions that you had, and, and maybe some of the listeners may be interested, like, what can you, what kind of jobs can you get when you get out of culinary school? I know you mentioned some of the professional athletes that you worked with and that yacht and how big that was and got the travel. And maybe you could elaborate a little bit on, on those different jobs. I, I didn't know that Fort Lauderdale is the yachting capital of the entire world. I had no idea. I, we didn't, I lived on the West side uh, of Fort Lauderdale on the East side is where all the boats are and stuff like that. I remember seeing, you know, yachties and, in a uh, boat, you know, white shirts and khakis and stuff, but I never paid attention to any of that. And when I was bartending, I had people come in to, I worked at an upscale steakhouse and uh, people would come in and they would be like, you know, you should go get on a yacht. You have a degree. And I was like, ah, what, what are you talking about? They're like, oh, you can make all this money. They never listened. But then I, I had a restaurant for a few years, but it was during the world financial crash. So it was hard to maintain that financially. So I ended up, you know, just basically giving my share to the, my partner and I um, learned about working on a boat from the dental hygienist at my dentist's office. Wow. And she was like, hey, have you ever heard of this thing called day working on boats? And I was like, no. So she gave me the website and I went and I created a profile and I thought zero things about it. And I was um, like, really, I needed, I needed a job and I needed something, you know, something extraordinary to happen. And I was just sitting there in a mall one day and I was you know, like a couple days later, eating an ice cream cone. And this guy with an Australian accent calls me and he's like asking me if I'm available to work. And I was like, yeah, all right, sure. No problem. So I go to the boat and, um, I, uh, you know, I was basically like a relief chef for the, the chef that was on board. So he could like take time off and I just cooked for the crew. We never left the dock, you know, and they paid me a ridiculous amount of money. And then they ended up liking me. They were like, we really like you. We want to, we want to take you with us. So they, um, they left, they went to Spain and then they, um, sent me a plane ticket like two months later and I flew to Spain and I was on that boat for two years and I, uh, I lived on board and, um, you know, we did our summers in the Mediterranean, Mediterranean and our, and our winters in the Caribbean. And we were able to, we went to the Galapagos, uh, you know, and, and when you are on a private yacht in the Galap Galapagos, it's like, it's an extraordinary experience that is like it's like a once in a lifetime thing, you know? Um, but it's like standard yachty lifestyle, you know, oh, we're going to go to the Galapagos, whatever. So, um, 
So that to me, like if I knew about that and I really took it seriously, that would have been a really great career if I lived in South Florida, you know, and, 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 and worked on a boat because, you know, you could get on a boat that's just, just be bopping around in the um, Caribbean, you know, um, or, you know, you could be international like, like, like I was and just, you know, go everywhere. And so it, uh, made the world very small, which was amazing. So if I had like a three day weekend, I would just, and I was in Europe, we spent six months out of the year in Europe. So I would just take a plane to go see friend, a friend in, you know, in Italy, or I'd go to Spain or, you know, and, you know, cause once you're in Europe, the, the flights are super cheap. So you just go wherever you want. What, what an opportunity. Yeah, it was extraordinary. And I, I would encourage anyone that is like, hey, I don't really, you know, I don't really want to go work in a restaurant. It, it is such an incredible career uh, in yachts that like, and if you're already in South Florida, I would just say, you know, and it's so easy to get on a boat. You could basically walk down a dock backwards and go, oh, I'm here and you fall into a boat and you're like, they take you with them. <laughs> you're floating away. <laughs> now, what about the personal chef, private chef industry too or working with the athletes did you work with a specific athletes or did you work with the whole team i worked with um first it was ronaldo hill he was my first client and i just met him I, when i was bartending and he came in and he said he needed a chef for the season and uh, i was like well i have a degree and so i did like a little tryout stage with him you know and he liked my food and i, I ended up working for him for like five seasons and um through him I met Ronnie Brown and I did I did a lot of catering for them because once you're kind of like in that little crew you know of people and they know they can trust you it, it's like you're a dialist chef at that point so I would get calls and be like hey it's my me and my girlfriend's anniversary or me and my wife's anniversary I don't really plan anything can you cook us dinner on the beach I'm gonna I'll you know we're, this is where we'll be and we're gonna pull up in a limo and and you know, so I would just okay, sure, you know, <laughs> whatever you need, you know, so you do all these like emergency events, <laughs> for them, you know, and so that's where the part where we're showing up and, and having dedication, like there was times I missed out on birthday parties and I missed out on whatever else, but I was, I was working and I built, I built, I chose to build, the, build this career so that later I could have all, you know, all these credentials under my belt. And then that, that will help me have a better, um, like a work life balance later, you know? And I know social media is really big right now. I actually am teaching a, a elective class on campus that's called social media training, food presentation for the culinary student. And we teach in blogs and, uh, you know, YouTube and podcasts. And I know you've really embrace that and you're an expert in many ways in that area maybe you could speak to that a little bit and what what your platforms are so my platforms um i have a youtube channel called nikki talks food um and what i do is uh i've seen a lot of videos where it's just kind of like uh like the taste made videos and things like that where it's just a pair of hands and they're just dumping stuff into a pot or pan and zero explanation as to why things are you know you know why the pie is golden brown why the Filling is gelatinized, you know. My um, goal for my show is to bring what I have in, in, from culinary education and the science behind it, like you know, starches gelatinize and they swell when they when they're when they're cooked, you know. And that's what bonds things together, you know, is like a blueberry pie. So the goal is to um, educate the the home cook on you know culinary fundamentals so that their food 
is is tastier and better (laughs) and that they enjoy cooking because there's nothing worse than like thinking following a recipe and thinking oh this is going to be good and then it just is a disaster and the reason why it's a disaster is because culinary fundamentals aren't followed you know there's mixing methods that you can follow there's uh you know all kinds of methods that you could follow with sauce you know preparing sauces and things like that the fundamentals there and so i'm here to basically help people make really awesome food that they would otherwise think was complicated and it's successful right you have quite a following and it's um i mean i still have less than a thousand subscribers i have like 760 last time i checked not that i check every day but i do um (laughs) and uh um so but it is it is going uh very well it's a really great hobby it's not really like a a a job or anything like that but it's 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 a lot of fun and, and a creative outlet for me and they could find that on YouTube by just, you know, searching. Nikki Talks Food with two Ks. <laughs> N-I-K-K-I. I'll put that in the show notes, too, in case anyone wants to check you out. Oh, cool. And what else have you been doing? I've been uh, live streaming a cooking class every Thursday night. I've uh, teamed up with a, um, a coffee shop here in Tallahassee called Red Eye Coffee. Their CEO reached out to me. And so we decided to team up uh, and make these meal kits so the meal kits, we work with local farms. Like last last night we had a class. It, it's every uh, Thursday at 6 p.m. Uh, I teamed up with Crooked Row Farms here in Tallahassee, and we got this farm fresh chicken. And we made maple mustard garlic chicken with uh, Asiago mac and cheese and green beans. And the cool thing is, is that the stuff in their kit is raw, but it's all washed and stuff. Like I wash all the green beans and pack it up so they don't have to measure anything. All they have to do is... Wait a minute. Now they're going to get the pack from you and they're going to cook it at home while watching you demonstrate. Wow, cool. What an awesome idea. How many people do that? We only... Because it's a... You know, the, the cafe doesn't have a lot of space. They're not really set up for like food production. So we only do 25 kits. Is it limited at that? So if someone wanted to get involved, they, they, you got to get first come, first serve type thing. Yeah, got to get the kit. Um, next week, we'll do a, a kid's kit. So uh, we're going to do like a fresh pasta. So it's just for kids. How do they get the kit? It's FedEx to their house or mailed? No, they pick it up at, at Red Eye Coffee. Um, you know, it's um, the, we sell tickets through Eventbrite. And once those tickets are done, they, you know, that we, we have a... Everybody tunes in on either my uh, my Facebook page or, or the um, Red Eye Facebook page or my YouTube channel, and uh, I live stream cooking. And it's a cool, like, interactive thing because, you know, people ask questions. I have some repeat people that come back every week, and they just love the idea of, of like, the sense of community, and we're helping local farms. The week before, we did – we had so many different um, businesses involved. We had Register Sausage because we did breakfast for dinner. Register Sausage, which is from here in Tallahassee. The Hawthorne Bakery, uh, uh, we bought uh, um, Japanese milk bread, this beautiful milk bread. So sweet and yummy. And we made a beautiful like tiramisu uh, French toast out of that, you know, together. We did uh, farm eggs from Paradise Found Farms. Um, The coffee was from Red Eye. We used My Spice. Um, so it was, it was neat, like, uh, uh, to have that level of, of, you know, community together and be able to flash everybody's logo and stuff while we're, while we're cooking and, and support like the, the community like that is, it's a neat thing, you know, win-win for everybody, for the, you know, the customer yeah, and for, say. For, for purveyors. Now tell us about your spice blend. Yeah. So my spice blend is, uh, uh, pro seasoning. And it is, uh, it's a spice blend I've used my entire career. So anytime I was, you know, working on the boat or when I had my restaurant or when I was teaching, 
you know, because as you know, and I remember you guys doing this, like when I was in school, it was like, we had a lot of events at school, right? You know, you have always somebody coming through and you got to make a banquet for whoever's coming, right? So I would always keep, you know, a blend of my, the spice that I always made, um, you know, salt, blend of peppers, paprika, garlic, and it's perfectly balanced. So you don't have to go every time you make something, you're going to put those those flavors in mm-hmm. as a base anyway. It's an all-purpose spice blend. It's the one and done. Like this is what I'm putting in. And then if I want to change the flavor, I'll add Cajun or whatever behind that. But the main base is always the same. So because I couldn't really work without it, like I would always mix a batch and I would just put it in everything, you know? I would make a batch for my parents and you know I'll and then finally, you know, I said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna bottle this. It's good. It's very cost uh it's very convenient, you know, because you just put the one spice in your in your food and all that kind of stuff. And um it, I changed the salt to Himalayan pink salt, so it's a good salt. There's no anti-caking agents, there's no MSG. And um if to my knowledge, it's the only all-purpose spice blend on the market that doesn't have all the that bad stuff in it, you know, and is like perfect for everything. Where do you where do they get that? Do they they buy it locally? Or is it shipped? Is it internet, e-commerce? I have a, a website where I ship it all over the country. Um, it's chefnikki.net. Um, or it's, you could do nikkitoxfood.com. So it goes to the same place, and I'll ship anywhere in the country. Um, I sell it locally. I got just got into my first grocery store. Uh, this week. So um, I'm in a grocery store called uh, Community Co-op Market. And uh, I sell it all around town locally in in Tallahassee. I don't sell it um, in any stores outside of Tallahassee. But if you live outside the city, you can can get it on my website. That's great. So from culinary school, you look at all the opportunities, pro pro players, uh, yachts, (laughs) YouTube stars, cooking classes, Cisco distributor. (laughs) I don't let any grass grow under my feet, that's for sure. What's what's next? What's your future? What do you think is going to be down the road? What do you what is your next goal? Um I am putting um a lot of effort into the um the spice blend because originally it was just like, you know, I'll just I'll have it and you know, I'll kind of kind of make a, a gentle entrance into the market, but now that I have a lot of skin in the game, I'm I really am I'm trying to to push the spice uh, and and get it distributed other places. I have liability insurance now, so it's like I can I can sell it to to anyone because they require that, you know. Uh, so the hope is that the spice will 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 do you know well, and I'll make other blends, and then that would just be my business eventually. So we'll see. Cool. Sounds exciting. Who are um, three people who have been most influential to you? Could be. You know, personal could be professional. You know, who who's had that impact? I would say my sister ha- has been very influential influential in my uh, culinary career because she went to culinary school first. You know, because she's my my older sister and was into food first. And I don't know that I would even be as much into food if she wasn't into food. So she was definitely super influential. Did she go to Johnson and Wales as well? She did. Let's see. Um, who else have I? Uh... I actually learned a lot of, of business, like negotiation and stuff, believe it or not, from my wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I definitely like, like, honestly, like I've learned so much from her. She, she does so well with negotiations that it made me a better business person. So definitely I would say my wife as well. Let's see, career wise. Um, I mean, obviously you, you know, your classes were amazing oh, thank you. as well. <laughs> um, 
See, uh, I you know I could probably say the the chef that I worked with um, on the on the yacht Barry Orr. He was he was pretty influential. I learned a lot from him as far as you know yachting and and just like life life experiences. You know, he would always just say, "Just be happy, be happy," <laughs> and that like kind of echoes in my head because like all you know how the food business is just like go 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 until your your eyeballs fall out and roll across the floor, and you know we would be working like eighteen hours or something, and he would go, oh, "Just be happy." Just be happy. Um, Let me think about the listeners out there. And if there's some, maybe a female or an older student, do you have any advice for them? I mean, were you treated any different at culinary school or at the industry or anything like that, that you would want to tell them to be aware of? Um, If they're female and in the food industry, they're already aware of... It, it is it is tough and um what my advice is and this is how i try and and um network and 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 when i interact with other female chefs is i try not to try and compete too much you know because we can be kind of competitive and i feel like it's better to lift each other up and support so it takes a tremendous amount of you know sometimes you get undercut with things and that's happened to me in my, in my career with other female chefs, but you, but I just try and take it on the chin and then turn around and support them. And then that way it teaches them that that's our relationship. You know, we're not, I'm not trying to compete with you. We can have similar products or whatever. It's fine. I, I let me help promote you. And then that's, that's a better energy to be in than all this, you know, competitive stuff. Tell me about certifications and even continuing education, lifelong learning. What, what do you, how can you speak to that? And the way that I see it is that like, I have a, I, I'm, I'm a certified executive chef. I'm just about to renew for another five years. I also have a, a degree in, in culinary and I have a degree in um, food and beverage management. It's basically your, 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 their credentials, you know? So if you want people to take you seriously, and, you know, you don't have any credentials behind you, you know, that's, it's hard to get anywhere, you know. So for me, I, I started to excel really a lot when I got my CEC, you know, five years ago. And it's hard. Um, it's hard to do. It takes a lot of jumping through tiny flaming hoops, as I'm sure you're aware. But you got to kind of just put the paperwork through, put everything, you know, jump through the di- little tiny little hoops and 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 just try and you know, have perseverance through the, all of the, the red tape you got to go through and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you'll get there and it's all about confidence too. Um, and being prepared. Uh, I would say it, the certification has done well for me and and I'm going to keep renewing it until, you know, I don't have no need for it, but it is definitely truly helpful when you're trying to get a job or, or, you know, uh, you can negotiate, for a higher salary and stuff like that, because you go, look, I'm not just telling you I have all these credentials. I'm showing you a fistful of paperwork here. And these people say, I know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> it's a good negotiating uh, tactic, you know, is using those papers. Yeah. That certification goes hand in hand with degrees. I mean, it just shows experience. It also shows, you know, being able to do yeah. something as well as the academic track. Where do you, what do you think is the future of culinary school? I think that that's, that's the few, if we want good food, we need to have educated chefs. And, uh, if, if it's, if it's, if the private university, you know, education is not sustain is not sustainable, then, then it's, it's 
hopefully will go public because we still need to educate chefs and, and we, you know, you still have to teach fundamentals. It's still got to happen. So hopefully we'll, we'll learn how to, you know, have culinary schools survive so that we can, we can continue to, to have well, you know, educated chefs and not just people that are like, oh, I, I know, I think I know what I'm doing. You know, we want those papers, you know. Um, now that you've had time away from culinary school, you got some perspective there. Looking back, all the money, the time, was it worth it? Would you do it again? Would you make any changes? Uh, I would do it again. Yeah, for sure. It was totally, totally worth it for me because um, I got on a yacht and I was able to pay off everything. <laughs> but uh, for me, it's done very, very well. I wouldn't tra- trade any of the experiences that I've had for anything. It's not like I have like all these desires to go and do all these things. I did so many of those things that I'm just like, okay, I'm good. Like I'm good with a normal life now. And I've, I've had all these incredible experiences and I, I, I would not trade any of it for it for the world, you know? So I, I it, it did well for me. <laughs> Great. Um, I know you're a cancer survivor. Can you speak a little bit how that may has shaped you into the person you are today and how it affects? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Two times, two times. <laughs> Um, in, uh, when I, right before I went to culinary school, which is probably kind of gave me a little push as well. I got, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and, uh, it was a curable, uh, you know, it was a curable cancer. This, you know, I had my thyroid removed and I had some radiation and, uh, but I just kind of was like, you know, let me do something bold. So that kind of probably pushed me in the culinary school direct direction. And um, then a year ago, actually today, a year ago, I had a routine mammogram because I turned 40. Then they kept, they kept inviting me back for more um, tests. I ended up with uh, invasive ductal carcinoma. I didn't know I even had it. So um, that was the second time. I think that what kind of the effect that it has on you is just, like I said earlier, just be happy, you know, just, just uh, follow your, your gut and, and, uh, and, 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 keep your relationships with people pleasant and happy. And because there's no reason to have any kind of um, competition or animosity between people. I just I'm more of a problem solver now and more of, you know, a little bit more laid back and all that kind of stuff. As we come to the end of our chat today, before we wrap up, is there any last minute advice or guidance you want to leave with the listeners? Something you want to share with them? Advice and guidance is, you know, some of the things we've already kind of touched on, which is networking is key. Showing up is key. You know, hard work, uh, knowing your craft, you know, never stop learning. And don't always think that you like know everything. There's always something you can learn. And one of the things that I actually learned uh, when I was teaching um, was I was constantly learning from my students. They taught me all kinds of stuff. I'm, I'm knowledgeable now more than I was because I, I, you know, had the sense to listen to them and learn from them. So I think that, you know, not letting your ego get in the way is hard for chefs because we, we tend to be emotional ego monsters. Uh, but that's what makes us good chefs. <laughs> <laughs> the passion. It's passion. You know, it's a, it's a career that is, you know, it's central forces is passion. So just try and control your energy and, and uh, channel your energy into something, something great. Well, that is just about all the time we have for this episode. And I want to first thank you, Nikki, for coming on the show and sharing your culinary school story with all of us. We really appreciate your honesty and the insight and the time that you spent with us today. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you having me on the show and um, good luck in the future. Great. Thanks a lot. Now, bye-bye. Bye. 
And a big thanks and appreciation also goes out to all of you, the listeners. We hope you enjoy the show and this episode. You all are a big part of this show, so please let us know what you think. Your comments are always welcome, and they help us in making the best show possible. You can email them to culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. That's culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. Or even leave us a voicemail at area code 207-835-1275. That's area code 207-835-1275. And if you like the show, we have a big ask of all of you. And that is to share the podcast with everyone you know. And to give us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, until our next culinary school story, take care and be well. Bye-bye. Culinary School Stories is a proud member of the Food Media Network.